as we get ready to get into the Word of the Lord this morning. And I'm going to ask you to turn with me to the book of Proverbs chapter 22. And then we're going to read verse 28 and then uh, hold your spot there. We're going to turn next door to chapter 23 and then we're going to read verse number 10 from there. And the Lord has challenged, I believe, my heart with a message, especially for our men. And, uh, but ladies, don't check out on me. It's for you too. God's Word's good. It's a challenge for all of us. And uh, you ladies, you just help. You just help. You amen the preacher even louder today. Amen. Praise the Lord. Proverbs 22, and we're going to read verse 28. If you're there with me, won't you say amen? The Bible says, remove not. Let me say this again. Remove not. The ancient landmark, which thy fathers, somebody say fathers, which thy fathers have set. Remove not the ancient landmark that thy fathers, which thy fathers have set. Let's turn to the next chapter, chapter 23 and verse number 10. 23 and 10. The Bible says, remove not the old landmark. 22 called it ancient. 23 calls it old. It's the same premise. Remove not the old landmark, but listen to this. And enter not into the fields of the fatherless. This morning, if I can, with the help of the Lord, I just want to preach for a little bit this morning on the fields of the fatherless. Amen. The fields of the fatherless. Would you help us to pray? Father, we thank you once again for your faithfulness. I thank you for every man, every woman, every boy and girl represented in this house today. Others that cannot be with us and may be watching by way of live stream. I pray that your presence and power would touch every heart in life. Lord, open our ears to hear and our hearts to receive. Lord, I pray that you would challenge us today, anoint my mind and lips to preach. Hide me behind the cross of Calvary. And Lord, I pray let us see you and hear you today. We know your word will accomplish what it's sent to do. And I pray that you would do a mighty work in our hearts here. And we'll be quick to give you thanks for it. And we ask it in Jesus' name. Amen and amen. You can be seated this morning. Praise the Lord. As we look at this here today, I wanted to uh, share with you these couple of places, and there are actually some other places in Scripture, as to where there is instruction in in regards to landmarks and how they are to be treated, how they are to be observed, and what is the requirements and the conduct in regards to them. We come to understand that in our world today and all around us that there are some landmarks that are very prominent. As a matter of fact, I can name to you some landmarks and as a result of the mention of their name, you already can begin to connotate exactly where I'm talking about. We could talk about the arch, the Eiffel Tower, 
the Statue of Liberty, the Lincoln Memorial, the Taj Mahal, and the Great Wall. All of these are renowned landmarks. And by their name or the very sight of them, you can identify where you are or where you are going. Amen. Or you could, it could be said you can identify of where you're coming from. These places mark such areas as St. Louis, Missouri, Paris, France, Washington, D.C., India, and China. These are things, and we could mention other places and other prominent landmarks that would give you bearing and insight, like I said, to where you are. I will tell a little story on Aaron. I don't know if Aaron remember this, remembers this or not, but Aaron and his mom, Elaine, we call her Aunt Shag, that's her nickname, my Aunt Shaggy and Aaron, they came up to St. Louis to visit uh, uh, my parents and myself, and they spent a uh, few days with us. And Aunt Shag, Brother Roderick, she was navigating her way from Elsinore, Missouri, all 300 people in Elsinore, into the great big old city of St. Louis. And she was driving. And listen, this was before Siri could tell you on your phone where to go. And this was before, you know... Uh, uh, you, uh, that uh, back in back early on, uh, I, I had access to a program called MapQuest. You'd go on, you'd go on the internet, and you'd punch in and at. Anybody here ever remember using MapQuest? It was a tragedy. I wound up one day out in the middle. I don't know where I was at. And uh, I pulled in a parking lot, and uh, there was a church custodian. We was in Arkansas, and uh, we, pull, <laughs> we pulled into a church parking lot. There was a, a custodian out there doing some work, and I said, Sir, can you tell me where such and such is? And he laughed. He said, I get several people out here asking about this. He said, Did you use MapQuest? I said, yes, sir. He said, that thing don't know where, you're, where we're at. It don't know nothing. And I remember, I remember that. But anyway, let me get back to my Aunt Shag and Aaron. And so they came up and they visited with us. And they were on their way home. And my Aunt Shag, she got turned around in the downtown St. Louis. And she took the wrong exit. And, and here she was, uh, you know, mom by herself. Aaron wasn't no bigger than five, six years old. And, and he couldn't be no help to her. And, and uh, so there she was, and she started to panic. And uh, she couldn't find her way to get back on the right highway to get home. And uh, she, was, she was driving around and driving around. And finally she called my mother. And she said, uh, she said I, I'm over here where where do I need to get? And my mom passed the phone to my stepdad and, and, he, and he began to navigate uh, my Aunt Shag back to the right place. But Aaron in his innocence, and, and I guess he thought he was trying to help mom out, Brother Roderick, he had looked up and, and uh, 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 unbeknownst to him, it was his mama's third time around the St. Louis Arch. And he looked at his mama and he said, Mama, I didn't know Missouri had three arches here in, in St. Louis. And my aunt bowed at this point ready to strangle him. She said, there's not three arches in St. Louis. She said, I passed around it three times. So he hushed up and just rode on with his mom. You remember that, Aaron? 
He says, I remember I almost died saying that to mama. Amen. But you can navigate and you can know where you're at. Landmarks serve as an anchor, an anchor for destination, an anchor as to where we are to go. We find here in the scripture that Solomon, he gives and utters the words of wisdom. Solomon, known as the wisest man to live, he had given instruction and said, whatever you do, do not remove the ancient landmark. Do not remove it. He said in chapter 22, he said the landmark that your fathers have set. In 23, he says, don't remove the landmark and do not enter into the fields of the fatherless. In the way of instruction from the cultural and biblical perspective here of what was taught, you must understand there were some things that as the children of Israel were going into that promised land, we come to find the word of God tells us that when they were going into the promised land that God was going to give them houses they did not build. Fields that they themselves did not plow and turn over or plant. God was giving them these things and they were going to have a rightful ownership and inheritance to that. And as a result they would go into that promised land and there was instruction as land was divvied as the tribes began to spread out. Brother Roderick landmarks were established. Fathers would go and they would put landmarks out in order to differentiate where their land was and where their ownership was and where their rights were and where their fields were. But there were also groups of people. There were orphans and widows who did not have a man, who did not have a father and there were portions that were given to them that they could reap from the fields and that they could have substance and be provided for and so there is the disclaimer from the cultural aspect and what was considered the standard protocol and practice is that you stay within your boundary and they said when you go into the fields of the fatherless he said you don't go there and you don't take from them who are already without and so culturally and in way of tradition that's what that instruction was for but if I may this morning I would like to delve in a little bit to a spiritual application I this morning would like to challenge each of us here in this house most especially you men I'd like to challenge today I want you to realize is that the word of God said that there are landmarks that are to be set by the fathers amen there are places of distinction there are places that must act as anchors for you yourself and for the people you love so that they might know the way and that they might know what is important and that they might know what they have ownership 
ownership and right to. I want to tell you, friends, you don't have to look far. You can look right across the corner. You can look down the street. You can look at your next door neighbor. And you see and we feel the effects of fields where there are the fatherless. Where there is no man. And most importantly, where there's not a godly man. We look and find that from a standpoint, just financially, that we, the taxes we pay to pay for and provide for the needs of our prisons and our prison systems, the statistics will astound you of the criminals, both men and women, who are serving time in penitentiaries. And you can trace back to the fact they had lived in the fields of the fatherless. There was nobody who established things that were godly, things to point them in the right moral direction. Billions of dollars a year are spent on programs in order to recoup and recover those who are without a father. We see young men and young women. We see mothers and wives and young ladies with no direction, with no bearing, and sadly, no covering of provision, protection, or guidance. God has called us. He has challenged us. This is your role. This is what you are to do. This is how we are to be. Can I this morning, fathers and ladies, you help me preach as well. I want to talk about a few things that we must look to do in regards of establishing the landmark. We see the effects and we feel the repercussions. I was in the store yesterday behind a family and the family was just mama and it was two boys and as they were going I was across the way over here at HEB I don't know daddy could have been working they very well may have had a father but I remembered as I was looking at them they were going past the father's day decorations and gifts and the oldest boy sister Shannon as he walked by the healing balloons and he walked by the plants mama was in front of him on a scooter this boy might have been 14 years old and every balloon he went by he would look up at it as if he was reading the father's day message and brother Roderick he'd grab that balloon and he'd jerk it down he'd jerk it down And that balloon, of course, because the helium would pop back up. And he walked by another one, Brother Heath, and he jerked it down. Mama had no clue that's what he was doing. There was distance between them, his behind. There were plants that was there. He walked by a plant, and he grabbed one of the leaves of the plant, and he ripped it off. And I was was torn. There was the dad in me wanted to just kind of take him up by his ear and say, hey, bub. What you doing? Ain't no need to be trying to destroy stuff, whatever. I didn't do that. But as quick and as fleeting as that moment was in my mind about, well, that young man needs correction. You know what the Lord did? The Lord challenged my heart. 
And I couldn't help but wonder, Brother Christian, as he was acting out in that way, passing by those Father Day decorations, it made me wonder, Sister Haley, and I'm not trying to over-spiritualize anything. I'm not trying to say I had some spiritual epiphany, but God was talking to my heart as he'd been dealing, Brother Danny, in my heart about this message. And I saw that young man, and I witnessed that, and I said to myself, I wonder where Father is. I wonder if he's acting in such a way because maybe there's bitterness. Maybe there's hurt. Maybe he was hoping for somebody somewhere along the way who would point him. Friends, I know we can look at the condition of the world and we shake our heads and we say it's awful and terrible. But I want to tell you, church, men, hear me. God has given us a model for spiritual and godly masculinity and fathers that will once again establish some landmarks for our families to follow. For our loved ones out there in the fields of the fatherless, there's brokenness, there's pain and destruction. There are those trying to find their moral compass. We have so much confusion in our society. We have so much hurt. We're thinking if we can pass enough laws, we can legislate it away. If we can get enough money donated to programs, we can program it away. I'm not, I'm not here to talk bad about programs. I'm not even here to talk bad about certain laws to protect or guide or instill. But I'm telling you, you've always got to go back to the root issue. You've always got to go back. And I will tell you, men, there's a responsibility upon us. And God help us when we have lived outside of the will and plan of God. All right. I'm going to encourage myself in the Lord today. I'm just going to buckle in and preach. All right. I want you to understand, fathers, we must once again, we need to build and construct and set landmarks. Listen, landmarks that are sacred. He said the old landmark. He said the ancient landmark. And I say today, there are some things that have been passed down. And you might say, Brother Jake, I never had a real daddy. You might say, I never really had that kind of example. I may not, I may not have had this. I may not have had that. Do you know what the Word of God said? David had said, even when my father and my mother forsake me, he said, you'd be those to me. He told, the, he told the children of Israel in the, in the Old Testament in Isaiah and Jeremiah, he said, I'll be a father to the fatherless. I'll take in the widow. I'll take in the orphan. I want to tell you, you would say, I may not have had good teaching. My past, my family, my father, it was a wreck. It was a mess. But before you go pointing fingers and saying you can't be what God's called you to be because of him, or because of that or because of this I want to tell you there's a heavenly father who's given you a blueprint given you a plan and there is his word the Bible said he is the ancient of days and that tells me his message his word and his promise are landmarks that are ancient Brother Stephen, that means they have stood the test of time. 
I don't know why this thing keeps going off. I, I guess I'm, I'm choking it to death. I don't know. Can you hear me? All right. I don't know why I'm doing that. But we have today as to where men and families trying to navigate. And I'll tell you why there's such confusion is because landmarks are always moving. Today it's this. And tomorrow it's over here. And when we, get, we say, well, we're going to autocorrect and we're going to adjust over here and get where it's at. The next day, the landmark's over here. I want to tell you is that one thing about ancient landmarks. As they were given by their fathers and this was generationally passed on. And they had been there. I want to tell you is that there were landmarks that were sacred. They were sacred. Let me say this today. Fathers, we need to set a landmark in our lives and for our families. That point to the sacredness of the things of God. We are in a time and a generation where we have children and mothers and daughters and Sons and, and men all around us, and they have no clue about how sacred the house of God is, how sacred the Word of God is, how sacred by the pickings a move of God is. We see it in demeanor and body language, we see it in priorities. Now we are saying, men are saying it's more sacred. I believe it's more sacred to be at the lake house, to be to be hunting I've got to go build my empire I've got to go make my money I've got to go do this and do that oh friends can I tell you as the old song said build your hopes on things eternal because the job will go the car will rust and the fish will quit biting and the boat will sink but one thing that remains sacred is the word of God the power of God we need men that'll say get us back to what is sacred get us back now you're going to call me an old fogey and you're going to call me judgmental that's okay I've been called worse there's been a trend in the last 20 years sister Janie as to where churches don't want to look like churches no more Oh, they want to be hip. They want to be cool. You know what I think? We need to make a campaign that says, Make pastors uncool again. Make them uncool. Yeah. Because in an order to conform, we have lost the sacredness. Come on here. Church buildings, you don't know if it's a coffee house, a nightclub. Come on here. And I ain't even going to get into what you find on the inside. If you can get past the outside. So, Brother Jake, it's easy for you to say you got this big old traditional looking church. Yes, we do, and I thank God for it. Come on here. Come on here. I was at a minister's restoration and one pastor was talking to me. He said, he said, yeah, one church, they was looking for a pastor. And he said, they had a new sound system and they put in new lights and they had a brand new smoke machine. He said, Brother Jake, you got a smoke machine yet at Victor Temple? I said, only smoke machine we believe in if it's cooking a brisket.
to see if Kara's got the anointing to carry this on through. I said, that's the only smoke machine I believe in. Come on here. Oh, Brother Jake, you saying that smoke machine and lights or this or that going to send the church to hell? No, I'm not saying that. But here's what I am saying. Please hear, this is my heart. When we talk about things that are sacred, the things of God have been dumbed down and diminished. It has been looked at, listen, where we don't take God seriously anymore. We can take it or leave it. We can, well, we don't mind if he's in the vicinity as long as he doesn't invade upon on all of our life or in all of our place can I say this the house of God it needs to be a place in the community that when somebody's lost they can look and say oh there's one with the steeple when they come in the building oh they still got a cross and God help us they still got altars and they still got a pulpit and they still believe in the moving of the Holy Ghost, let's keep the house of God sacred. Oh, keep it sacred. Hear me. When we have lost the house of God and the things of God being sacred, then we have seen the demise and lives are no longer considered sacred. And marriage is no longer considered sacred. And the biblical picture of a home is no longer considered sacred. When you miss the things of God and you do not take them seriously and you do not take, treat them with, with a sacredness, you lose it. You lose it. I was, had the opportunity. Now listen, don't, get in a, don't put me in a hurry today. I'm giving you the night off. You can sit at the restaurant 45 minutes because that's what I'm going to be doing today. But you got time, go home, take a nap, ain't got to rush back to church. So I'm just going to get real comfortable and preach a minute. All right? So what happens is, listen, when we reach a point, I, was, I, I, was, I had the privilege, I was on a missions trip in Europe, in the last day of our mission trip, we've been preaching uh, pastors' conferences every day of the week. And on the last day, we got an opportunity to do a little bit of sightseeing. And I had the privilege to visit the American World War II cemetery that was set up in Luxembourg, the country of Luxembourg. We went in there, and Brother Pickens, when you go through the gate, you literally could feel how special of a place this was. How sacred it felt. Immediately when you walked through the gates, in the parking lot you'd hear people chuckling and laughing and cutting up, but they stepped through the gate and everything came to a whisper. Everything came to a whisper. I remember going into the different things, exhibits that were there. That is where General Patton is buried and thousands, over 3,000 of our men and boys actually that are buried. White, black, Jewish, Gentile. I mean, they were all there who gave their lives, bled and died. I remember I was looking at these monuments and they had names, those that could be named. 
They had those that they had no name. They had a chapel that was there, a beautiful chapel. And you walked inside and they had an ornate monument that was there. And it was talking about sacrifice. And had the scripture on there that no greater love hath any man than this. That a man would lay down his life for his friends. And I was standing there, Sister Shannon. And while I was standing there, all of a sudden, some of you know exactly what I'm talking about. It felt like I had 200 cotton balls stuffed in my throat. It was hard to swallow. I began to be overcome with emotion. And I just stood there and I began to weep. My uncle was standing beside me. And he just reached over and he put his arm around me. He said, I've been here many times. And he said, I can never leave this place without shedding a tear. He said, when you realize the magnitude of what was given. What was given. And as I was there, Jason, I wept and I cried. And I still remember at about 5 o'clock, not long before they closed down the cemetery, they began to lower that flag. And they, there was a man who stepped out every day and began to play taps. And, and, and everybody just stood. And, and they looked at that flag. And they realized the moment that they were around was sacred. What nobody acting a fool there. You didn't walk around and see a bunch of junk all over the ground. You didn't go around and it, it being utilized and used for other things. It was a sacred place. It was a landmark that said, this is a place that means something special. Mamas and daddies, can I say again, we have to recapture how sacred the presence of God is. The church is. Those altars are. Can I tell you? I know some of you get mad at pastor when I talk about an altar call. Because there's some. Well you know I, I, I don't have a reason to go down. Brother Jake if you'd preach something that would get to me personally. I might go down there and preach. Or I might go down there and pray. Amen. And I might go to those altars. I'm going to tell you something. I was brought up in such a way. That sister Segura, even if it was not for me personally, that message, I was taught, you go down there and pray. And you know what, Brother Roderick? I've never had a moment in my life where I got up from that altar and said, I'm so sad and disappointed that I didn't go find a place to pray. I want to tell you something, mamas and daddies. Don't you sit back and say, how come my kids never get in that altar? How come my kids are never praying? How come my grandbabies are never in that altar? If you don't treat it and teach them and show them how sacred it is, may God help us. Daddy, every time we pray, Brother Gary, when you get up and go, you're showing these kids, you're showing them grandbabies, this is sacred. It's important. This is where we need to be. This is where we're going to build our lives. This is where we get direct. I wish somebody in this house would hear what I'm trying to say. Don't move the landmark. In the fields of the fatherless, they're dying. In the fields of the fatherless, they don't know. But here, you under the sound of my voice, you will not stand before God. Hear me. I accept the responsibility and I do not treat it lightly. You will not stand before God and say, I did not know. You know. You know. So do it. Do it. Treat it with sacredy. I remember 
hearing a preacher, he said he grew up in a pastor's home. He said, me and my brother, when we was old enough and carrying our Bibles to church, he said one day we got to playing around. He said we was, he said we'd call them sword fights. He said, because you know, the Bible was considered the sword of the Spirit. He said, so as kids, we knew enough Bible, we knew it was called a sword. He said, so me and my brother would be back there in the back seat with our Bibles, the swords. Hitting each other, hitting each other on top of the head and everything else. And he said, he said, my daddy said, hey, you boys, you don't treat the Bible that way. He said, you respect that book. Brother Stephen, he said, we got out of the car. And he said, I dropped my Bible on the grass and the dirt and the rocks. And he said, my daddy said, you pick that book up. He said, pick it up. He said, I picked it up. And he said, daddy said, dust it off. And he said, I dusted it off. And he said, then daddy said, give it a kiss. Somebody's sitting here saying, that's extreme. Why in the world? That's, that's child abuse. Don't do that. He said, but that preacher said what he was doing. He said, I did it. He said, I kissed that book. I'm sorry, Brother Roderick. There's, there's spit and sweat on it right now. Amen. But he said, here's what I did. He said, and this man is pastoring one of the largest churches in Georgia. And he said, don't you think for a moment that the size of the church or the scope of the ministry is just something I fell into. He said, because I had a daddy who told me to love God's word and to treat it with respect and honor. It was a landmark in my life. Oh, treat it. Treasure it. Hold on to it. Don't let MTV, Dr. Phil, Oprah, Disney. I'm going to stay right here. Sister Segura is helping me. I know I've got a friend this morning. Do not let them raise your kids. I'll say it again for the folks in the back. Don't let Little League dance competition, the basketball team, the softball team, the this league and that league, don't let them raise your kids. Get them in the house of God. Teach them the Word of God. Oh, Somebody's porcupine right now. He, he preaching against baseball. No, I'm not. I love sports. Hey, man, I've been all last week. I was wearing my Golden State Warrior ball cap. I, that's right. They won, sister. I, love, I spent hours on the ball court. I, I, lo- I think it's good for kids to have activities. I know you've seen this statistic, but let me tell you this. Your kids have less than a 1% chance of becoming a professional athlete. They have a 100% chance they're going to stand before God. Teach them. Cheerlead them on. Be their number one fan. Don't get me wrong. Let me tell you something. I love, I love being around seeing some of you grandparents and parents. I've been to some of these ball games. Here you cheer and here you go. I love that. I, I think it's awesome. I'll get right in there and cheer with you. Come on. But here's what we ought to know. 
As at the end of the day, as much as we cheerlead them on and you appreciate their go-get-it attitude and how tough they are, then you ought to redirect as well that cheerleading and say, let's get to the house of God. Let's establish sacred landmarks. Let's look at these things because we're going to stand before God. Landmarks established that are sacred. I want to remind you here this morning that before Noah ever built a house, he built an altar. Genesis 8 and 20, you can read that 8th chapter. He comes out of that ark, the animals come out with him, his sons come out with him, his daughter-in-laws come out with him. And verse number 20, And Noah builded an altar unto the Lord, and took of every clean beast and every clean fowl, and offered burnt offerings on the altar. Abraham, Moses, Jacob, Joshua, these and many others are recorded in Scripture of building an altar, a sacred place to meet God, to align our will with His, a place to worship. These altars mark sacred moments of being in the presence of God and how they acted as anchors for them and their families. Listen. Not only were landmarks established to mark a sacred place, the children of Israel, they, they were instructed to go through as they crossed over Jordan, and they were told to establish stones. They took a man, and they built memorials. These were landmarks. So that way, the Word of God said that when the generation that came behind them were to come and say, what meaneth these stones? What is this landmark, Noah, is what they was asking what does this mean? They can tell them, this is what God did here. This is what He did. This was the miracle we saw. And so that it could be passed on. Listen, landmarks will keep you separated. Landmarks provide distinction in what was rightfully theirs. They earmarked the lines, Brother Eli, of inheritance. Were, there were strict orders given of which fields they were not to be entered into or even to be entertained. Hear me. I know. I know. I've already said it. We've established the fact. I'm just an old spiritual stick in the mud, aren't I? I'm not hip. I'm not cool. What I preach and teach is not with current times. But I will still say this as God is looking for and coming back for a separated people. You hear me? That is not Jacob Smith's opinion. That is Bible. The Bible declares he will separate sheep from goats, the wheat from the tares. I want you to understand there is a difference between light and dark. I am not here proclaiming that I'm better than, that I'm arrogant, that I'm conceited and saying, well, good for me and too bad for everybody else. Brother Roderick, I'm trying to get them to become sheep. I'm trying to get them out of darkness into light. I'm trying to help them to realize don't be a tare, but come become a fruitful product of wheat. I'm trying to remind them the Bible brother Jerry Clark also distinguishes the fact said there'll be two in the field working one will be taken and another will be left there'll be some going to market one will be taken and another will be left I want to let you know there is a bride that has separated herself she's distinguished herself she's washed her garments made herself ready without spot or without wrinkle. I want to 
to tell you, I am not here to make Victory Temple a big top circus show. We are here to provide a place where somebody can be born again, where somebody can be filled with the Spirit, where somebody's life can be changed. And no, there's a separation. Oh, he has called you from darkness into his marvelous light. The world's idea is constant inclusion. The world's idea is we turn a blind eye. Doesn't matter how rotten, vile, vile, or how much it goes against God's word. And I'm here to tell you, God calls us to a place of separation. He says, oh, I know there's fields over there. I know there's places over there, but listen, ain't no fathers there. Ain't no place for you to go and hang out. Ain't no place for you to be. Hear me, child of God, you're skirting around the border. Hear me, child of God, you got one foot on one boundary line and another foot on the other, and you're in the valley of decision. What am I going to do? Because everybody else around you, they're buying this and they're accepting that. They're believing the opinions hook, line, and sinker. Just saw somebody the other day make a post that was completely contrary to the Word of God, and yet will claim and, and proclaim how much uh, they're following God's will and everything else Uh, but brother Roderick it's time we call right right uh, and we call wrong wrong Uh, it's time we live holy Uh, it's time that we give our all Uh, it's time to say uh, that boundary line is there uh, and I'm not going to go past it Uh, I'm not going to be tempted Uh, I'm not going to run beyond it Uh, the word of God has said it uh, and therefore that's settles it in my soul. I don't need anybody else to try to teach me, tell me, instruct me of how well you know that's Old Testament. Well, you see that that was for them back then. That was back when they was in the, the revivals of the 50s, Brother Danny. Come on. Well, here's what I found back in the 50s and 60s. Now, I know there were things in our culture and time that were just as terrible as it is now. But I want to talk just a little bit about the power of God that was sweeping through our church. Brother Roderick, they would line church walls with stretchers and crutches and wheelchairs. Cancers that would be thrown up in the altar. Demonics that would be delivered. Folks that were getting saved. People called to the ministry. People filled with the Holy Ghost. What can I tell you? You can make fun of them all you want to because they dress modestly and they didn't believe even playing cards and they didn't go to the movie theater and they didn't do this and that oh I know today's church we laugh at them oh yeah that was the old timers that was the old fogies oh but yet there were brother and sister Clendenins there were folks men and women of God who were in the altars and the power of God would flow like a river and lives were changed because They believed there was a separation. A separation. 
And let me say this. You have not, nor will you hear, your pastor. I'm not going to preach a clothesline and tell you, you wear this, wear that, you're going to hell, you're going to heaven. I'm not going to do that. I believe God's God enough to deal with your heart. I believe God's God enough to put convictions on your soul. I told the church, I went embarrassing Sister Amber. She called my wife one day. She said, you know anybody wants some DVDs? And my wife said, I don't know. And she said, well, I got DVDs. She said, I've been, I've been praying. I've been in the Word of God. I never set her down. After they came in the church, got born again, I never set her down. I never said, now, Sister Amber, what are you watching at the house? I never said, what are you doing? What, 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 is it rated R? Is it PG-3? I never did any of that. Am I right, Sister Amber? Did I ever do that to you? No. But she called my wife, and Brother Stephen, she said, All I know is I feel something on the inside. All I know is there's something on the inside of me that doesn't agree with what I'm seeing on that show. And she said, I don't want it in my house. I want to get it out. What was God doing? When the comforter will come, the spirit of truth, he will lead you into all truth somebody give him a hand of praise some of you looking at me like just hush your mouth and can we get to the close of this thing I'm talking about mamas and daddies men hear me we've got to set landmarks well, I don't want my kids standing out. I don't want my family we being the weirdos. I don't want this and I don't want that. I'm just going to tell you this. I'm just going to leave it like this. When you have a born-again experience, the Bible says old things are passed away, and behold, all things become new. You are now a new creature in Christ Jesus, and so therefore you are going to be distinctly different. And they ought to be able to tell the difference. Where you are, where you work, what's going on. Sister Shan was telling me a couple Sundays back, one of the students that likes to come in and visit with them in the office, that one of them boys had let out a cuss word. And he looked at Sister Shan and he apologized to her. And she never, she never got on a soapbox anywhere and said, now this is what my demands are. You don't say this, this, and this, and this in this office. She never did that. And then that young man turned to her and he said, Miss Shannon or Miss Pridgen, he said, come to think of it, said, I've never heard you say a cuss word. I've never heard you do anything like that. I've never seen that. Sister Shannon said, because I don't believe in talking that way. I'm not going to do that. I'm not going to be that. You know what was happening? There was a draw because there was a separation. If Sister Shannon was in there acting like everybody else and well, while I'm in Rome, I'll do as the Romans do. While I'm here, we've got, we got Christians that live with the mentality of what happens in Vegas stays in Vegas. There's a lot of folks that say what happens on Monday stays in Monday. But I want to tell you, God called me not to just serve him on Sunday. He didn't call me just to serve him on a Wednesday. But 365, 24-7, I want to be separated. I want to honor the landmark of the Word of God. Oh, Last but not least... 
Aren't you glad I've only got three points? Sacred, separated, and let me say this. It's for our safety. It's for our safety. Sister Belinda, it keeps us. It keeps us out of hell. It keeps us from pain in our lives. There were things, Jason, I did not understand why mom and dad wouldn't let me do certain things at certain times. Make me mad. Now, I had respect. I didn't show them I was mad. But I go to my bedroom or the bathroom and... Come on. I remember one time, I was all of 18 years old. <clears throat> Brother Gary, my mama said something one day aggravated me. And they had just laid down for bed. I was standing in the doorway of that bedroom. Mom said something. Daddy had his back to the doorway. He was already laid down facing the wall. And mama was facing me, talking to me. She said, and I popped back off. And I'll never forget, daddy rolled over and sat up in that bed. And he said, what'd you say? <laughs> I was like Nebuchadnezzar. My knees began to smoke together. He said, you apologize to your mother. He said, you ain't going to talk to her that way. He said, even if you're aggravated, you don't talk to her that way. So I, <laughs> I was boo-hooing. Now all 18 of me, all big, bad, macho, I started crying. Hugged my mama. Still didn't agree with her, but I hugged her. Come on. There were things I didn't always understand, Brother Chris. There were things I didn't always agree with. But now that I'm a parent, there's a lot of us in, that, in this house that can say that now. Now that I'm, now that I'm, just, just wait, Brother Christian. Brother Jeremy knows what I'm talking about, Brother Christian, just wait. Just wait. Now that I'm a parent, I, I, I get it. They were keeping me safe. They were working for my best interest. What's the word of God say, Sister Sanja? He said, I know the thoughts I think towards you. I don't want you to be harmed. I want you to prosper. I want, you to be, I want all to be well with you. I want it to go well for you. You can get mad at me all day, all day long. Cross your eyes at me, poke. Pucker out your lip, sit there like a wooden Indian just to prove to the preacher you ain't going to budge, that you didn't agree with me. But here's what I'm going to tell you. First of all, there's a heavenly Father that He has ancient landmarks that have been set. They're sacred. We find that they are separating and that they are a place of safety. He is a heavenly father. He said, if your earthly fathers know how to give you good gifts, if they know how to love and you have a sin nature, you're evil at the heart. Sin is at the heart. He said, if you know how to do that as earthly fathers, he said, how much more? How much more does your heavenly father love you and want to do good things for you? 
right now, maybe even this morning, you're fighting against conviction in your heart. You're wrestling against things. And you think God's being unfair and ugly. You think God and His Word, it's out of date. It's out of proportion. It just can't be followed. I just can't live it. Come on, preacher. It's 2022. Get with the program. We ain't called to do that no more. Yes, we are. We are. And fathers, listen. We're one generation away from losing a move of God. We're one generation away. Do you know what my heart says sometimes? Do you know what I as a pastor, as I look across, we've got a fairly good balance. We've got elderly, middle-aged, we've got young couples, we've got kids. But you know what I worry about, Brother Roderick? I worry about some of our saints as they, if Jesus tarries and they go on to glory. Are we a generation removed away from revival? from Pentecost, from a move of God. We need, we need, Brother Christian, we need fathers such as yourself. Brother Udy, I need you. I need you. Brother Chris, I need you. I need you, Brother Marvin. I need you, Darren. I need you, Scott. I need you. I need you, Gerard, and I need, need you, Stephen. I need you, Brother Phillips, Brother Bert. Eli, I've got to have you. And what do you mean? Not just for me personally, but here's what I'm saying. We need some men establishing some landmarks again. We need some people saying, this is the way. We need a generation that can still point and say, here's where God is doing. Here's what his word said. Here's how your life can change. We can't lose it. We can't lose it. In all of your teaching and in all of your building, Brother Danny... Come ahead. These folks need relief. When we reach a point that we are busy building other things instead of those sacred landmarks, there's going to be a time if Jesus tarries and we go on to glory by way of the grave. I want to tell you something. Your children are going to stand at a point in their life and they're going to look around and say, where do I go? What do I do? Oh, I know what the world's telling me, but man, it just don't feel right. Just don't seem right. Why is everybody going this direction? Why are they crossing over into that field? Why are they doing that? Why, why is this going on? Jeremiah 6 and 16 says, Thus saith the Lord, Stand ye in the way and see. Ask for the old paths. Where is the good way? And walk therein, and ye shall find rest for your souls. One more landmark I want to mention. It wasn't fancy, it didn't glitter, it didn't shine. People didn't parade around it or pay ticket prices to go see it. It was avoided. It was a place of sacrifice. It was a place where blood was spilled. It was a place where humanity was tortured to die. It was the cross. 
And Brother Eddie, I know physically it still doesn't stand there today. You can't go to that hillside of Golgotha outside of Jerusalem and still see a wooden cross there. Or it claimed to be the same wooden cross that the Savior died on. But Sister Sandy, here's what I do know. The Christ still proverbially stands as a landmark that still says this is the way. This is sacred. This is still a place of separation. And it's still safe. It's still safe. That prodigal son, he took his portion. Bible says he traveled to a far country. Spent all that he had on riotous living. Found himself in the pig's pen. He even joined himself, became a citizen of that country. Brother Roderick, he walked far out of the fields of his inheritance. Of what was sacred, what was separated, and what was safe. Not much left to him. A shell of a man. Regrets, torment, embarrassment. But the Bible says there came a day that he came to himself and he said, I'm going to go on back to the Father's house. Said at least there his servants have bread to eat and said, I don't even have to be a son anymore. I'll just go back and be a servant. That's what I'll do. I want to tell somebody in this house this morning, maybe if you've been running in the other fields of the fatherless, maybe you thought you was going to find freedom, maybe you thought you was going to have the time of your life, maybe you thought over there I ain't got rules, ain't nobody telling me what to do, I ain't got to answer to nobody, I'm my own man, preacher. I'm my own woman. I'll do what I want. I ain't got to worry about nothing. But you're looking up and your stomach's empty. And your soul's empty. And you say, I ain't got nothing left. If I was honest with my family, I'd even tell them. Many days I thought it'd probably just be better to end it. I'm not even worthy. I'm not worthy, pastor. But I'm going to tell you something. The thing that's powerful about the landmark of that cross. It'll always, Brother Eli, lead you home. It'll always lead you home. It'll always send you in the direction back to the Father's house. And you'll find Sister Faye every time that he'll run to meet you. I want to let somebody know maybe you're in other fields and it's foreign and it's frustrating. And you don't have freedom and you're hurting. Is that you can find your way back because there's still a landmark that stands. There's still a landmark that stands. Can we bow our heads all over this place? Oh, Lamb of God, I pray today, even now, Spirit of God, you challenge our hearts. I pray, God, you convict. I pray, God, today you encourage. Help us to realize we don't want to be. We don't need to run to the fields of the fatherless. There's no covering, no protection. It's not safe there. Oh, we're left to the wolves in that field. There's pain in that field. 
There's heartache in that field. Oh, but God, you've established landmarks in your word. And thank God for men and women in our lives that have left us landmarks to look to. So that we can know the way. So that we can know what's right. God, help us. I pray you'd help us men and help the women. Moms and dads, grandmas and grandpas in this church. Lord, that we keep the things of God sacred. Those landmarks mark sacred moments. Lord, that we keep and realize is that those landmarks keep us separated. Shows us what's our inheritance. Shows us what our divine rights are. And Lord, it keeps us safe. Keeps us safe. It's protect us. You want to do good to us. Lord, you want to heal our hearts and you want to mend marriages and you want to restore families. Father, <laughs> I pray today that you would do a work. I pray, Holy Ghost, you speak. This morning, I want to let somebody know if you're here today, if you're here today and maybe you've ran past the boundary, maybe you've ran past the landmark and you're in fields of the fatherless. You're hurting and frustrated and broken. I want to let you know, right here this morning, you can make your way back. You can make your way back to the Father's house. You can make your way back. There's an open door. There's an, an invitation extended. You don't have to leave here. You don't have to leave here living in the fields of the fatherless. Holy Ghost, I pray you'd speak. Church member, mom and daddy, I'm not here preaching that you're not giving your best or you're not giving it all, but I am here to encourage you and challenge you and help you to realize we have to contend and we have to fight and we have to work and we have to labor to keep the landmarks visible and established and repaired right here amongst the lives of our families, our children, for the sake of a move of God, for the sake of our families. If this morning, church, if you're here and you'd say, Preacher, I want to keep myself in the fields where you are. I want to keep myself in the perimeter of the landmark. I want to establish landmarks. Lord, help me as a man. Help me as a woman. Lord, help us today. That we want to endeavor to keep it sacred and separated and safe. Lord, help those today that maybe are struggling and they need to find their way back to the Father's house. This invitation is for all of us. Why don't we come and find a place in these altars? Why don't you come right now, church? Why don't you come? Oh, why don't we today say, Lord, would you help me? Men, why don't you come today? Granddaddies, won't you come? Aunts and uncles, mamas. Oh, young adult, young person. You ain't got to run. You ain't got to run in the fields and the fatherless. Oh, Lord, we need you today. We need you today. Oh, those... If you're here this morning, you've been running, grab the hand of somebody you love. Grab the hand of somebody you love and say, come pray with me. Come pray with me. Then do it. Oh, Jesus. I don't have time to waste. I don't have time to waste 
running in the fields of the fatherless. Oh, but Lord, help us. Help us to establish. Help us to establish those landmarks. Help us, Lord, to establish those landmarks. Oh, 